This is the Juice on the Cues podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Good morning, Syracuse. Welcome back to the Juice on the Cues podcast presented by Rivals.com. I'm your host, Wes Chang. Thanks so much for joining us on this Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. This is going to be our last podcast during the dead period, but there's still plenty of news going on in the Syracuse recruiting world. Last week, two tents held their top 150 camp. Our Andrew Barth was in Pittsburgh covering the event. Several Syracuse recruits were there, including some who hold offers. So if you haven't already checked out the site, make sure you visit sujuice.com. The Orange also received a JUCO commitment from J.J. Branham earlier in July, adding depth to an already talented group. And we welcome J.J. on now. J.J., thanks so much for coming on the program. How are you today? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's going great. We'll get you started on this one. Congrats on the commitment. How does it feel? I can't really describe the feeling. It's just a, you know, thank God moment, pretty much. It's a, you know, it's been a long, real, real long journey for me. So it's definitely a, a huge weight off my shoulders to be able to say I found a true home. So what made you ultimately decide to commit to Syracuse? So what made me commit to Syracuse, for one, I didn't have anyone, any offers, JUCO, I had some D2s, uh, and even they weren't, you know, trying to really too much rob with me like that. So what really made me rob with them is they found out about me, and ever since they found out about me, they stuck with me 100%. They didn't switch up on me. They didn't say, oh, well, uh, you know, the, the normal recruiting stuff. Everything was genuine. Coach Lynch was genuine. He meant everything he said. So that's what made me ultimately say, yeah, this is this is where I'm at. In terms of your conversations with Coach Lynch and the rest of the coaches, what did they tell you about the vision they had for you at Syracuse? Uh, they made me just come in, you know, be a leader. Uh, you know, with the guy being there, have some experience, being the older guy to come in, get the guys, you know, correct come in, bring the intensity. Uh, it didn't talk anything about, you know, being a starter or anything like that, but me personally being a competitor than I am, that's what I'm That's what I'm going there to go do. So it wasn't pretty much any talk about playing time or anything like that. For me, it was all pretty much relationship building and going step-by-step in the process. So you mentioned a long journey earlier. In 2019, you were a Rivals three-star coming out of high school. You committed to Eastern Michigan. You left for the portal after a year there. You took some time off. You went to Blinn for the last season. So tell me more about your journey to Syracuse. So the journey was real hard. I can't lie to you. So uh, just like you know, I came out of high school going to Eastern Michigan. Got to Eastern Michigan, realized off the rip, yeah, this is not, this is not a good fit for me. So I went through that year transferred out, got into the portal, was in the portal, wasn't really getting any looks like that at all. Went through some personal things and was homeless for a couple months. Got through that, got me a job, worked a job, got me an apartment. That had, uh, I was doing that for about two years. So I was out for school for two years. Then, you know, one day I'm sitting down with my partners and everything and watching my highlight videos. And it just brought me to complete tears because I realized I still got it in me, you know. And mind you, I hadn't played football since high school. So I I knew, like, I still got it in me. Some way, somehow, I got to figure out what's going on. 
So I went to bed that night praying to God, you know, Lord, help me. Guide me to what I need to do to get back right, you know. And the next day, I woke up, told me make a Twitter, made a Twitter. I reached out to uh, one of my, my, my partners from back here in Columbus. I asked him about a JUCO because I didn't know anything about JUCO. But I had seen he had went to uh, Blinn. At the time, I didn't know what it was. So I asked, hey, man, what's that school you're going to? He said, oh, this is Blinn. So he ended up going there and transferring to East, uh, East Eastern Carolina. So I asked him, yo, help me out with that, man, if you can. So he told me about it. And then uh, another one of my coaches, Coach Patterson, from high school, he also told me about it. And that's the only options that I knew about JUCO-wise. So there's the first people I hit up, and they're the first people to hit me back. And they're down the line. They were the only ones that had me back at all the schools that I did hit up after them. So I took that opportunity and ran with it. JJ, that is an amazing story. I think it speaks to the kind of person you are and the perseverance you have. I know that journey was tough, but I have to say, I think it probably made you a better person. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. It made me pretty much a better player on and off the field. It made me a better man first. Yeah, and JJ, we'll get you out of here on this one. Tell us about the style of football you play. You know, some people are evasive. Others lower their shoulder and run you over. What type of running back are you? So me personally, I I feel that I'm an all-around back. I can run you over. I can shake you out. I can catch the ball on you. You know, I'm an all-around back in my eyes. Some probably say the same. But just, you know, on my personal opinion, on me as a back, I can do everything. Thank you. Thank you, JJ. Really appreciate it. Good luck this year. Yes, sir. Greatly appreciate that. Wow. Incredible story from JJ. What else can you say for someone who was homeless a few years ago and is now back in college football playing at a Power 5 school? That's definitely inspiring. Wishing him all the best in the football field this fall and off it as well. Just really happy for him that he's found a home. We'll take a quick break. I'll be joined by the Juice Online editor, Jim Stick Schulte, after I'm Wes Chang. This is the Juice on the Cues podcast. So we're less than a week away from the return of the TBT in Bayheim's Army. We had General Manager Sean Belby on the podcast last week, but let's take a deeper dive into Bayheim's Army this week with the Juice Online's Jim Stick Schulte. Jim, how are you today? Doing just fine, Wes. How are you? Yeah, Jim, doing well. And you have a column coming out later this week discussing why Bayheim's Army won in 2021 and what they need to do this year to win it all again. Give us a preview of that column. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, just looking back historically through what Bayheim's Army has done in TBT, uh, you know, obviously TBT is its own separate animal from anything else because the way the, te- the way the tournament's built, the way the teams are assembled, all that sort of thing. There's no, you know, template for saying, well, this works or that works or what have you. So it's just kind of, you just kind of look at what they've done, try to figure out what's worked and what hasn't. And frankly, what worked for the champs in 2021 was slowing the game down. Um, Historically looking at Bayheim's army and TBT play, uh, they started out like a lot of teams in the first few, uh, first few years they were in it. Um, The first three years, they averaged between 83 and 86 points per game as they were just, uh, Let's go out and run and play and out athletes and teams, and then they always got tripped up in the end. Um, but they eventually started slowing down, 
and frankly, it worked out great in 2021. They averaged 68.3 points a game on the six-game march to that TBT title with their top score of 73 points. We're talking about, you know, a team that historically, you know, had averaged over 73 points a game for, you know, an entire tournament run, be it three games, four games, or what have you. But uh, they, you know, when they won, it's because they slowed it down uh, and, you know, ended up averaging under 70 a game. They played at a slow tempo, they focused on defense, and it worked. Uh, In particular, that year, they played a bunch of tight games, uh, four of their six games, they won by six points or less, and uh, including each of the, e, e, both the semifinals and the championship game were by a, by two. Uh, and last summer we saw that that defensive focus kind of lapsed and went away. Um, they finished 16th in points allowed per game, uh, which was not, you know, stellar. That's you know barely gets into the top quarter of the teams. Um, and their lone win came to, uh, frankly, playing a, a team that was overmatched and barely made one third of their shots in the game. Uh, one other thing that the Army has had a lot of problem with and in recent years is their three-point shooting has been pretty bad the last four years. Um, it was a big problem last year in their short two-game appearance. They ranked 54th among the 64 teams in three-point shooting percentage. Uh, and in the last four years, which includes that slowdown 2021 team that actually won the championship, they've been accumulative 27.3% from, from long range, which, you know, may be part of the reason why they've decided to focus on defense. They know that they have, that they have some offensive limitations or have had some offensive limitations in the past, so it might have been a decision to reduce the number of possessions in the game and make a missed three here and a missed three there a little less meaningful in the grand scheme of things. Um, that bad three-point shooting has, of course, hindered their overall you know, productivity from the field. In those last four years, they've shot 41.4% from the field as a whole, which uh, is not a good number either. Uh, one thing that I didn't add to the column, but uh, was because I wasn't exactly sure how it plays out, it, you know. But it's just that when they slowed down, they also uh, became less reliant on making hay at the free throw line. Um, Bam's Army has participated in eight prior tournaments in TBT play uh, after missing the first one, um, and the 2021 champs had the uh, the l- lowest percentage of their points coming from foul shots out of any of those eight teams which is at 17.1%. So a little more than one out of every six points that Bayhams Army scored that summer came from the foul line. Six of the other seven teams got at least 20% of their points from the free throw line, including four of them, uh, basically 23% or more from the stripe. Um, And the reason why I think that's important for TBT play is, um, while I don't like to focus on referees in organized basketball games, um, when you watch TBT, you can tell that the officiating is, I'll say a little less standardized and perhaps not of the best quality you'll ever see. Um, And I I don't think it's just fans of any particular team who feel that way about the officiating there. Um, But at the same time, one way to lessen the officiating as a factor when you're not really trusting in it is to slow down play because there's less, you know, less possessions, fewer shots, and then a little bit less of a need for calls to go in your favor to kind of help you out and maybe get you an extra point or two to push you over the finish line. Jim, when you look at the roster they put together this season, you combine that with your column, does this team have the roster to win it all? Well, digging into the roster uh, a little bit, they've done some things that I like. Um, that should help, to be sure. Um, what they, One of the things that was a big deal before they won that championship in 2021 was they added DeAndre Kane and DJ Kennedy to the roster, 
a couple of players who, you know, had tremendous TBT experience and even more tremendous TBT success. Um, I think that was an important thing because they'd like, because it worked. Both those guys were valuable, valuable participants on that 2021 team to, uh, both were on the floor a lot in the big minutes with all those close games to help, uh, push Beheim's uh, army into the win column. Uh, Kane is still on the team, uh, probably as a, perhaps a super veteran is what we might call him. But also, they've added a couple guys with impressive TBT resumes this time around in Dwight Bucks and Jameel Wilson. Uh, they both previously played for the Golden Eagles, which is the Marquette alumni team. Um, and if you don't rem- you may not remember, but the Golden Eagles beat the beat Beheim's Army in 2018 in the quarterfinals. Uh, Bucks was not on the team that year. And then the Golden Eagles also claimed the TBT title in 2020, a year before Beheim's Army did. Uh, they've both been very important players to the success of the Golden Eagles. Uh, Wilson played in, has played seven seasons or seven tournaments uh, with the Golden Eagles. And in that time, he's averaged 14.8 points per game and shot a cumulative 42% from three in that time. And it's not just been an up and down, you know, one year where he was great and the next year not so much and the next year great again and then tapered off again. Six of those seven summers, he shot at least 39.5% from the arc for the Golden Eagles. One of those summers, he averaged five threes a game. Bucks, on the other hand, has played six times for the Golden Eagles. He played poorly last summer, but his, you know, it's more of an outlier in his uh, resume of TBT play. Hopefully, it's not age-related as he's uh, he's getting up there. But he shot at least 48.8% from the floor four times, and his career TBT stats: 16 and a half points a game, over 51% from the floor, just under 46% from three-point line, and in four tournaments, he's hit half his three-pointers. And there's another thing about Bucks that I think is very important for Bayhide's Army. The style of play in the TBT is, as a function of how the tournament is run and how the teams are assembled, it is reliant. Your, well, actually, the success of teams is reliant on your guards. It's a guard-dominant style of play because these are essentially almost like all-star games because the guys don't practice so much together. They may have played in college, but that may have been six years ago or eight years ago, and they may have only played for one season when one guy was a senior and one guy was a freshman. And so having the guys who have the balls in their hands, who can both shoot from the three and drive to finish in the lane, is very, very helpful. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to rattle off the leading scorers from Bam's Army's history. Last year, D. Boston, Matt Morgan. 2021, Tyrese Rice, Chris McCullough. 2020, Eric Devendorf. The year before, it was Devendorf and Jordan Crawford. 2018, Devendorf, John Gillen, Demetrius Nichols. 2017, Devendorf. 2016, Devendorf. 2015, Nichols, Devendorf, Hakeem Warwick, and Willie Dean. With the exception of Chris McCulloch's one appearance and Demetrius Nichols being on there twice and Hakeem Warwick being on there once, it's all guards who can shoot the three and drive and finish inside. All of them, across the board. Can't get around it. That's why Bucks is so important. Point guard, great shooter. Like I said, 51% from the field and almost 46% from three in his career in TBT. It's a, it's a, that he should be a big key to success, even if he's coming off the bench in a uh, in a reduced role. There's a there are two other players listed as point guards on the Bayhams Army team this year, other than Bucks. Neither one of them played for Syracuse, although one did play for Bayhams Army last year, and that was Matt Morgan. Morgan, who played his collegiate ball at Cornell. He tied for the team lead in scoring last year, as I mentioned, at 17.5 points a game, and he came off the bench to do so. 
He made half of his shots last year and shot just over 36% from three last year in his first tour with the Army. Grant Riller is the other player listed as a point guard. Uh, he might be more of a combo guard just based on the stat line. I am completely unfamiliar with what he looks like on the court, but just going from the stat line, he played for four years at College of Charleston, where he shot over 52%, almost 52% from the floor in his career and over 35% from three during that time. Last year, he played in the G League and averaged 19.5 points a game, shooting 57% on twos, although he did struggle from the three-point line, uh, making just over 26% from three. And that's why I feel his game is more of a slasher and creator. But if, but he's a guard who shot 57, almost 58% on two-point shots in the G League last year. That to me suggests he's going to, you know, probably be pretty successful with the ball in his hand getting to the rim in TBT play. So as a result, I think the focus on players who've had TBT success, including gu- and guards who can shoot threes and get to the bucket, I think they've done. I think they've done a, some some substantial moves towards trying to ensure at least a long run this year for Bayheim's Army. And Jim, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Uh, just to talk about another Syracuse basketball team, the actual one, um, their non-conference schedule has been completed now. Uh, and all I can think of when I look at it is give them a chance next November, December. Don't get angry quick. You're going to need to have some patience. It's a tough non-conference schedule for anyone. But Adrian Autry's a new head coach, and they got a whole bunch of new faces on this roster. The Maui Classic, Maui Invitational that they're going to go play in in Hawaii the week, the week of Thanksgiving, has a tough field. On paper right now, every team that is not the host team, Chaminade, would be expected to beat Syracuse. And then they come home and play LSU at home. That's going to be a tough stretch. And there's an open slot on the Saturday after that LSU game. And based on looking at last year's schedule, I wouldn't be surprised to see the ATC opener slot in there on Saturday, December 2nd, be it at, Syrac- at the Dome or otherwise. In any case, that's going to be a tough stretch for, this, for an, a young, inexperienced team to get a handle on. With, and then they also have Oregon looming on Sunday the 17th. So please, when that season starts next year, give them a little time to get things going. New coach, lots of new pieces on that roster. Probably going to be playing a lot of a new defense you may have heard of called man-to-man. Give them a chance. Jim, I'm going to close the show on ACC kickoff, which will be from next Tuesday through Thursday in Charlotte. Syracuse will be represented by offensive captain Garrett Schrader, defensive captain Marlo Wax, and All-American tight end Aranda Gaddison II. Syracuse is one of four schools that will be doing their media sessions on Tuesday. And that also means we're about six weeks away from the start of the season. Definitely an exciting time. We'll see what the three players and Coach Bapers have to say next week. That's it for us. I want to thank my guest, Syracuse running back J.J. Branham, the Juice Online editor, Jim Sikschulte. And this is Wes Chang reminding you that I was in a restaurant that had a sign that said, restrooms for customers only. I thought, that must suck to work there. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast presented by Rivals.com, and we'll see you next time. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players. 
pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.